What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Friday, everybody. I am your host, Tyler Walters, alongside my good friend and co-host, Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Good. We're gonna we're gonna jump right in because Matthew's got a Jet. He's got a jet out pretty soon, so he's going to be in for most of the show today. And then the last part, we'll get producer Brendan on. Um, we'll start from the top with, I really, I really, I was sitting down Tuesday, and I I hate how we don't, like, just have a Wednesday show. Yeah, yeah. Because I want, I have so many thoughts on Tuesday nights, and I just want to just yell into a microphone for a little bit. But, uh. <laughs> when the college football playoff rankings come out. And no surprise, LSU number one this week. Um, surprise happened at four, five, six, seven, eight, to, you know, all the way up to 13 maybe. Yeah, yeah, most with, definitely. With Baylor. And, I mean, I was – it's so weird right now. This You've got so many one-loss teams – like where do you stack them all and and, and where do you do all of that thing it's kind of confusing I, I think we can all agree that the one two and three lsu ohio state clemson is is right that is accurate um because clemson has not played the schedule ohio state nor definitely not lsu has played um and but they are undefeated and uh they have been just torching people lately um and it, it's they should be in the top three or top four at least. And I, like I've said, you know, for a few weeks now, even when they got ranked number five, they, they'd get their win. It wouldn't matter. Um, and we'll go then to Minnesota only moves to seven, which I thought was wait eight, right? Eight, eight, yeah, eight. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Eight. Uh, right. I got it written down. Yeah. Number eight. Um, which was weird because you have what Utah, Oregon, and, uh, it goes like Georgia's four, which I hated. Yeah. Bama five, Oregon six, Utah seven, correct? Correct. And then Minnesota eight. Which is weird because Utah's loss was was not against a top like you know a top team. It was against the University of Southern Cal, and so it's like so who, they're ranked above an undefeated team with a sorry loss like that. Well, I guess you could say Georgia the same way. Who I uh, mind you, Southern Cal. Uh, Peter Burns, SEC Network analyst, tweeted out this week, and I think I retweeted it, actually. Um, some Pac-12 fan was arguing Utah's case. Uh, and you're, and then Peter Burns was arguing Alabama's case. Um, you're going to – and then he goes on to say, Utah, you're trying to tell me that Utah is going to compete with Alabama on a neutral site. Utah's loss is to Southern Cal against their third-string quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's not like they lost that game. Like, they, they got they, – they gave up a lot of yards. They got gutted. I think the fans' argument was that Utah's defense can hang with the best of them, and you look at that game and you just realize that they can't. Um, I, I think Alabama has way too many playmakers to make that game even close. Uh, I think you're probably looking at – if you schedule that game on a neutral field right now, you're looking at, like, a – 14 point spread, you know, a 14 point favorite Alabama. Um, and that's with the bad tool. Yeah, and, and I think they, you know, might win that game by 30 points. Um, Easily. The drop off there is is a, is a lot. I, I do think those teams, you know, those uh, five, six, seven through, you know, 10 or whatever, have the ability to upset 
the top teams, but make no mistake, it will be, it will not, it, it will be a fluke. Yeah. With the exception of Minnesota. Um, I think Minnesota's playing really good football, and I think they have most of the year. Um, they've had some struggles. I mean, they, they've beaten, they've had to go to overtime with some bad teams. Um, I mean, and, but they're playing their best football of the year right now, and it's a good time because you just beat a top five Penn State on Saturday, last Saturday, and now you have a road trip to Iowa this weekend, uh, which we'll get to later. And, you know, that, that's, this is November, December, January is when you want to be playing your best football, um, and, and they are. So we, uh, we, we like to hear that. And then I want to start with, CB, I guess he's CBS analyst. Do you know who Barrett Sally is? I've heard the name before. Okay, so he's like a CBS writer, and, uh, I mean, he's on Twitter. He, he's mixing it up with college football fans in, on Twitter this week. Um, and, and I want to just – I he had some tweets about the college football playoff this week that really just just got to me. So we'll start. Here we go. If you have automatic bids for conference championships, you get out of the championship business and move into the access business. Merit of teams shouldn't be determined by arbitrary factors like conference when – like which conference they choose – to align with decades ago, or chose to align with decades ago, I can't read today, or geography. So his argument, what he's saying there is, you know, uh, if if you go into a playoff system where, say, you have eight teams, right, and all five conference champion, uh, power five conference champions get in, that that's not fair because the teams can't choose where they're located geographically, which basically determines which conference they're in. Um, which I I, I want to just keep going on his tweets and, until I kind of we we kind of gauge your reaction and I give mine. Yeah. His next tweet. Um, this is a thread here. Not all conferences are created equal. It's completely ridiculous to determine cal- championship caliber teams as if they are. The landscape of the sport requires a certain level of uh, subjectivity that treats each season differently based solely on the way the season plays out. And spare me the, quote, it works in other sports slash divisions, end quote, argument. That's silly, too. They're, I guess he meant to say there. He said they. Their regular season is diminished in all of those. It might be tolerable for some, and that's fine. I'd argue that the college football playoff way or a combination would be better. I'll start. Do you have any instant reactions? Yeah, I've heard a better example of this. Joel Klatt said what happens is if you start, if you expand the playoff anymore, what you end up running into is every conference champion would be in the playoff, and he said that would therefore eliminate the need to play the big games, off-conference games, because in that case, if you're uh, – all you have to do is win your conference, and you know you'd be in. Yeah. So I heard that argument, and I kind of agree with that, but I also would kind of – because th- then you could just have, like, Clemson would maybe be in every single year, and then they would never have to schedule a hard competition because like, they would know as long as they win the ACC, they're in. So I've heard that. That one was a little bit interesting, but the one that Joel Klatt said, I actually kind of agree with that one. Yeah, so I, that's kind of where, like, I want to start is, you know, the reason the Big 12 has a conference championship – is because the committee finds it valuable. Yeah, yeah. So already you have college football champ- uh, conference championships matter, all right? So the committee has told us that. Um, 
And the Big 12 designed that after they didn't get, you know, two, well, who was it, like Baylor and TCU in? Was that the year Ohio State went in? Yeah, I believe or so. Ohio it was the first year, yeah, yeah, Ohio State. So Baylor, Baylor and TCU should have gotten in, and they didn't. Uh, or had a strong chance to get in. And I don't even remember who got in fourth. It didn't matter because Ohio State. It might have been Ohio State, actually. Um, whatever. And so basically the Big 12, who has nine teams, uh, conferences traditionally only had championships if they had 12 teams because the NCAA has a, uh, had a rule, I guess, that once your conference had 12 teams, you needed to split it, put two divisions or whatever. Um, and it might not be an NCAA rule. It might just be things that people followed. And you get 12 teams, you split, you make divisions, and then those division championship winners play each other in the conference championship. Yeah. Uh, and those are the people that would represent your conference. Um, and I think – the, the Big 12 had nine teams. They make a conference championship to promote, which sets up a rematch, you know, at some point, because in Big 12, every team plays every team. Yeah. Uh, which sets up a rematch, basically, for the Big 12 conference championship. Um, which the Big 12 needs to f- just find another team, and I'm surprised they haven't at this point. Uh, and there's a lot of brands out there that they could align themselves with, I think, that would help the Big 12. Any guesses to any that you would like to see join? Uh, Boise State. They should have gotten Boise State when Boise State joined the Mountain West to join TCU in the Mountain West, and then TCU said, nope, we're out. Big 12 asked us to come in. I think they should have gotten Boise State then. Now, that's been like 10 years ago. Yeah, that was like um, cool, yeah. And then, you know, I think we were talking the other week. I can't remember if it was on air or off air. You start picking up schools like if SMU has another season or two, they're pretty good. Scoop them up. Houston has another team a uh, year or two where, you know, they're down this year. But in the last eight, nine years, they've been really good. You can recruit in Houston, in the area of Houston. You don't have to leave Houston to recruit. I think we both know that. Um, I think you could take, you know, from the Houston football field, give yourself 60 miles, you know, a 60-mile radius, and you could recruit a team that would have a lot of four- and five-star guys on it. Yeah. Um, that's just how good the football talent is. So I think schools like that are, are – Schools, you're going to have to look to elevate schools. I don't think you're going to get, you know, you're not going to get Nebraska back. You're not going to get Missouri back. You're not going to get those schools that have kind of already uh, proven themselves, you know, that are bigger time schools. Uh, we'll kind of get back to the point here. But, um, and, like, my argument, I, this was just, this was like a chain of some of the stupidest tweets I've seen all season. Because you, is, we'll start with this first tweet where he's talking about it, if, you get into conference championship, if you have automatic bids for conference champions, you get out of the championship business and into the access business. And I guess what he means is that you, you I, I don't even know what he means. You don't it, try to figure it's, out. I, I get what he's saying is that the best teams might not win, but guess what, dude? The best teams don't always win in sports, you know? How many times do we see that? Do we think, really, uh, like, you go back and watch, what, 2014, 2015, do we think Ohio State was the best team that year? I think a lot of people would argue that Alabama is, or and still was when they won that first college football playoff. I mean, they were the four seed. Um, you know, right now, I think Clemson's probably the best team, but do they deserve to be number one? No, because they haven't beaten the teams that LSU has. Um, and, and like, these are the kind of things that you you just you ignore when you take seating like this and you pick teams like in a committee, uh, and, and I. Th- I just, I hate it. I've hated the committee since its conception. I, I, I honestly, yes, I would rather go back to the BCS. We had computers picking. Um, it, it's just, it's frustrating. But I do, like, my idea has always been you go eight teams, right? People want more football, 
right? And basically, how many? We've seen a lot of big matchups this year. We've had one versus two, two versus three, however you want to say it. There's a one versus two in the AP last Saturday, Saturday before with LSU and Alabama. And we've had Minnesota and Penn State. And we've had, you know, Wisconsin-Michigan early in the season. And what would have been Wisconsin-Ohio State had Wisconsin not lost to Illinois the week before. We've had really big games this year. Um, Texas-LSU. And I love those big games. Uh, but that is how you, like, create a conference championship. Like, you have to beat the teams in your conference to be your champion. And I don't agree with you saying when not all conferences are created equal. Exactly. You were correct. And I, I don't also, like, it, my, what I would say to the second tweet, which was not all conferences are created equal, it's completely ridiculous to determine championship-caliber teams as if they are. The landscape of the sport requires a certain level of subjectivity that treats each season differently based solely on the way that season plays out. I mean, it's a terrible thought. It, it, the goal here should be to make the college football playoff as similar as possible to what pro sports and the FCS have. All conferences aren't created equal. You're, you're exactly right. But that's just how it goes. All the NFL divisions are created equal. Is the in, the like the NFL East or the NFC East right yeah. now with the Cowboys and the Giants and the Redskins and um, the Eagles? You right. know, two of those teams are average and the other two are absolute garbage. It, that that division blows. You think that division is equal to the NFC West, where you have the Niners and Seahawks, who we saw a great Monday night game out of the other night that went to overtime. Um, and the Rams, who are a pretty good team, and, and the Cardinals, who are, you know, they'll probably be competitive here in a couple of years. Um, but 75% of that division is is very talented, very capable of winning any game that's put in front of them. I get the Rams are having a down year, but eight, nine months ago with nearly the same roster, they were in the Super Bowl. Um, and and it, I, so I don't like that you making the argument that college uh, conference championships, camp championship championships. Like, I don't, I don't like you saying conferences eliminate like the good teams. And this, this for me should mean something because I love the SEC. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, and, and it would hurt the SEC and the Big Ten the most because you lose your second and third best teams, respectively. You know, we don't. If it's four four teams right now, say there's four conferences. Uh, say like the Pac-12 and the ACC combined or something. Yeah. Uh, we have four conferences, and only those four conference championships get in. Well, we just lost Alabama, and, and we just the ACC and the Pac-12 aren't going to have anyone else. They're going to have one good team, yeah. but the Big Ten and the SEC are going to have multiple good teams who probably deserve the right to play. Um, but that's just not how it goes. Like, you you got to win in your division, and some of them are tough. So basically, what this guy is saying is kind of the hell with the whole conference champions that conference champions like, yeah. argument, and like remove that out of the yeah. equation. Yeah, yeah, basically. And, and and he says, like, literally in his next tweet, and, and, and spare me the argument that I just gave you. I, and spare me the it works in other sports slash divisions argument. That is just such a dumb statement. Saying that I don't want to hear that every other league does an argument is BS, right? Because what you just did was say, hey, I know I just said something that was pretty stupid. And the one argument that proves me wrong, you can, don't use that against me. <laughs> right, I, like I, I don't know. It's like saying, yeah, you know, I'm, I know I'm wrong, and and there is one point who will discredit what I just said, but you can't use that one. So it's like to knock me out any other way. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean that's just a BS statement from from uh, Sally, who I I actually like really like. Um, but I think the 
you know, the way we should be looking is kind of what he says in his last three words, a combination of. Um, and where we're, we're getting five teams and you get three at-large bids, and that's where the committee can come in and pick an Alabama or whoever else. Yeah, I actually kind of like that. I had never heard that idea yet, but that'd be kind of that'd be great. What would you think would be the best solution for those automatic bids? Automatic, it's conference champions. Yeah, so. Right? Because you, you take in, you know, you get the SEC champion guaranteed, ACC champion guaranteed in, uh, Big Ten champion guaranteed in, Pac-12 champion guaranteed in, Big 12 champion guaranteed in. And what you do is you make that conference championship that much bigger. Right. Right? But the argument against that is, well, how do we keep teams from scheduling a cupcake yeah, out of conference? Yeah, that's what I was about to say, because like how Alabama had a really weak schedule yep. this year, they would probably just continue to do that. So that's where your three, not, or your three or four, depending on what conference you're in, some conferences play nine conference games, like the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Some conferences play eight games, like the SEC. Uh, your three or four non-conference games, those are going to become big because at the you attach to those five guaranteed bids, you have three at-large bids. Uh, so seed six, seven, and eight, or however you want to see seed them. I mean, you know, the ACC champion might be seeded eight, uh, but those last three spots, spots six, seven, and eight, would be picked like how the four are now. Yeah, so it's kind of like so like maybe this year it's Florida somebody can still have a chance to get exactly. In. So sense. like a like a you know a Florida or um, an Alabama would probably be one of them, right? But by choosing Alabama to come in, you don't have to leave out uh, a Big Twelve champion or a Pac twelve champion or you know a Georgia. You can get both Alabama and Georgia, yeah. right? You might potentially end up with which would be my dream is to have an SEC champion, the other four conference champions in the, in the Power Five, and the three at-large bids, if those are all three SEC teams, like if that was Georgia, Alabama, Florida, I would love that. Oh, that would be my a, dream. That's a Southern man's dream. Yeah. One question, would you like to see, uh, like when those three, if this were to happen, would you like to see like the Boise States of the world have a chance to get in or you want to keep You can. You could also do that, right? But I, I think they would have to prove themselves to be – in to, to earn one of those at-large bids. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that kind of opens the door for them to be able to do that because UCF a couple years ago, after the second year, they went undefeated or whatever, right? They come off of beating Alabama, or uh, not Alabama, they would never beat Alabama. They never should have beaten Auburn. Um, they beat Auburn in the Sugar Bowl or whatever. Yeah, I think they almost beat like UCF last year. It, or UC, uh, the, the LSU? Auburn. Yeah, yeah, LSU, that's what it was. Um, it, and then UCF continues to go undefeated the next year. Um, you would allow them in, you know. That, that would have earned a spot for them to get in. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Matthew, I know you got to go soon. You want to – we'll hit quick on the uh, South Carolina A&M game this year. South Carolina's packing their bags, going to A&M for the weekend, going to College Station. I think they fly out tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, Muschamp's comment this week, like one of the top comments in the state, I think, be, quote, more creative in the run game, end quote. I saw a tweet the other day before we dive into this little quote that talked about the number of different run packages South Carolina has ran this year. It's like 13 or 14. The next highest is Alabama with like six, right? And there's a bunch of other teams that have ran six. Uh, so if they can run six and we're running, you know, here in Columbia, it's double that is being ran. Yeah. I don't think creativity is the problem. I think execution is the problem. 
Yeah, because you know how they say when it gets down to it, it's all XOs. It's really all about can you can our offensive line move those people in our backs, get through the holes, and get through there. You can be as creative as you want to, but that's just like having a real diverse thing, but no like intent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, and I can't. I I want to say I, I I maybe Brad Crawford. Someone tweeted it right. Yeah. Uh, who who is an SEC analyst? And I forgot to bookmark it so I could quote it for the show, but so everyone could go look at it. But either way, you know the point still stands. You've been creative. Yeah. But it has not worked. So why why don't you instead of trying to take, and I like I'm very upset with South Carolina football. Like after that quote from from their leader, um, why don't you take the more basic ones? You know, instead of trying to expand your running backs, your offensive lines, your quarterbacks, and your receivers' brain and get them to figure out new formations and stuff. How about you just take a few of them and figure out how to run those really good, and then start from there. Because you can't run the things you've already ran correctly because it does not work for you. Instead of giving up and moving on to something new that may or may not work for you, figure out how to make those work. And, and I, like, I don't think that's an, like an issue. This is like an it, it just it, it's it's too like just kind of crappy of a quote. Like there's no substance there. Like right, right, right? with this new uh, let's be more creative. And I'm tired of hearing the same old thing every week. I mean, I think Muschamp said that like eight weeks now. And then the ones going to say it's like at the end of the year, it's like what is working at this point. My high school coach would be like, stop being a prima donna and just go and run the ball. And, then, <laughs> and that was just like his whole spiel. I mean, it's like, yeah, let's get back to. Maybe they need to bring him in here. I mean, seriously. Yeah, he's actually funny. He was actually a former player. His name is Jay Fry. Uh, but, yeah, he's all about, you know, the eye formation or whatever. You know, Tori Gurley had a really good point about this. He's like, whenever South Carolina football is at its peak, you it was like eye formation type of thing with Patrick DeMar- DeMar- DeMarco. Yeah, them's like eye formation. Who is uh, Bill now? I yeah, really good yeah. fullback in the league. But it's kind of like more of a pro style. You know, Garcia yep. might be under center. You got the big tight end, Wesley Saunders, or Jared Cook, whoever the case may be. And then you got there are two receivers you just like make it happen. But it's all kind of based upon, because think about it in the heyday, Mark Slattimore running that ball. Like, probably three or four plays, he's just making it happen. Making well, it I nice. think people always point to, you know, Marcus Lattimore when, we, when you know, we were seeing South Carolina run the ball. Yeah. Um, there were backs, other than Mar- Marcus Lattimore was the exception, not the rule. He yeah. was above, beyond, you know, talent for a running back. Yeah. You don't have to look to Marcus Lattimore for success in South Carolina's run game. They had that with other backs. Right. Lattimore just had a lot more because he is Marcus Lattimore. Um so, like, yeah, those formations seem to work for them. And you do have to find an identity somewhere. And I think trying to, quote-unquote, be more creative in the run game every week, just trying something to you cannot allow yourself, we talked about this early in the season, to find an identity. And I think that hurts your football team because they don't know what's going on every week, right? And I, I the more and more I watch this 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 program is the I see the – the failures of the coaching staff and, and yeah the players are playing hard and they have a lot of talent but I see the failures in the coaching staff and, and I don't I wasn't watching Will Muschamp at, when he was at Florida like he is here right uh, I would watch Florida games but that's pretty much it watch them on Saturday I don't really pay attention the rest of the week South Carolina football I'm every day right I'm paying attention and, and I see all the little things he says about this team and that you get the feeling from other players and stuff and people around the program and, and former players uh, about how hard these guys are working, the, the players themselves, and how I, we know how talented they are, right? We've seen flashes from everyone. 
I, I think a lot of the problem here is there's too much overcomplication versus just trying to figure out how to execute. And, and I mean, it shows on the field. Guys look lost sometimes. Yeah, execution is key in sports. And especially, one can say, when you have a, a freshman quarterback, too. It's like, so now we're trying to make this thing complex. I always think of it as, like, the Kevin Steele defense. The Ke- I don't know if you're, Kevin Steele used to be a defense coordinator at Clemson. It's yep. very complicated, but it's like, but if you give up 70 points to West Virginia, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's like, 77. <laughs> I'd rather it be super black and white, and you'd be able to get a lot of stops. So, yeah, exactly. that's how I see it, too. Yeah, uh, so uh, one other thing I want to look I saw this right before the show, too. South Carolina ranks 109th in yards per play and points per game against other FBS competition. So you take out, basically, you take out the Charleston Southern game, South Carolina ranks 109th in yards per play and points per game. One would think from, that, Go ahead. From this offense where you have a quarterback who is an Elite 11 QB, a senior wide receiver who is unstoppable when you put the ball like in his you know Vicinity. grasp, um, with someone like Shy Smith who is unbelievably fast and a slot guy, uh, with an offensive lineman who is led by a senior and, and Donnell Staley in center, and who we keep hearing about how athletic they are from the coaching staff, um, and uh, running backs like Tavian Feaster and Rico Dowdle. You are still ranking 109th in yards per play and points per game. Uh, you know where is the that kind of goes back to what I was just saying is the execution is not just not good. I, I I cannot the thing that frustrates me about watching this football team is just I know how good these individual players are, but as a unit they just aren't all there. Yeah, and, and it's not I can't blame it on them. I see those guys working as hard as they can. The coaching staff has to make them work together. That is all on the coaching staff. And I don't usually come for coaching staffs, you know. Uh, But this, you know, is clearly just, it's a lack of execution in the coaching system. And something has to change this offseason for South Carolina. We pointed to McClendon last week, I think, last Thursday, last Friday. Um, And and I think that's the the correct change at the time. Uh, But, man, if nothing changes, you're – I think I don't know if Muschamp gets through four games next year. So, so two things: one, for basically for hear what you're saying, it's like we kind of like Carolina has the capacity to like hold it. They do. Like you have the capacity, you have all the players. You would think by this year, there's like one of the worst recruit classes in the country for the past four years. Recruiting classes have actually been pretty yes. good. It's just about the top twenty-five. Yeah, just transformation of the guys. Also, did you hear the president's comment? Uh, president of USC's comment. Yeah, Bob um, Caslin. Yeah, what, yeah, what was when, what was the exact comment again? He was like. Uh, Muschamp's my guy to the end of the season. And yes. At the end of the season, will uh, and I at the end of the season, what do you say? They'll reevaluate. Director will reevaluate or whatever the case may be. And also, it, interesting point on that point. I just saw before the show might have been before you walked in the studio today. I was telling producer Brendan, the U of S C board of trustees. Uh, I apparently a few of them let it slip to some media that they were looking at former. Gamecock, uh, who is now at George Mason. Uh, Brendan will have to tell me his name again. But who is now the athletic director at George Mason in Virginia to replace a certain athletic director here in Columbia. Sheesh. So, and there's a lot of issues going on around the university itself right now with the board of trustees. Brad Edwards. Brad Edwards. If something, I would be shocked if something like that happens right now just because of the mess that they are in 
not involving athletics. Um, so we'll see. And I, I don't know if we see something like that. Uh, quick un- injury updates. Feaster's still doubtful. Josh Fan's still out. Obviously, Muse is out for the year. Travis Dawkins and Ortroy Smith are likely out. Um, so that's one, two, three receivers and a running back right there. Like I said last week, I don't. Uh, Tavian Feaster is you, you should be fine without Feaster or Dowdle because you have the other um, both of those backs are very capable of being the guy uh, so he's out this week that shouldn't stop your run game um, there are so many capable guys the receiving core is going to hurt a little you know you're yeah. going to have to find Brian Edwards Brian 15 Shy. times again whatever yeah you're going to have Brian Shy and Dawkins and one thing that must change Dawkins, Dawkins is likely out from what I read earlier oh god well so. one thing that yeah with must have I was listening to the press conference what he said that made a lot of sense it's like your offense becomes extremely predictable whenever you have the, whenever you have a case of like Brian's the only guy able to go and Brian yes. is not 100% right now like no. you can see you can check at the end of the game him barely like limping off so it's really those first two quarters he'll be good to go but you kind of need to rest him and then also I don't think he'll do this he's not this kind of guy but you know a lot of times once you get close to the end of the year you got to make a business decision yeah like yo like, I'm about to go to the NFL here I need to be ready to go that's where I'm gonna make my rhythm I don't think Brian is that kind of guy I don't get that from him yeah I don't get that at all I don't I don't think he's that kind of guy now you yeah, catch, he stayed for a senior year like you catch uh now I remember the guy from Ohio State uh was that Denzel Ward he said out of his was he said out of the bowl games and it was, was starting to become more and more of a trend, but I don't think plenty of guys at Michigan last year sat out of New Year's six game. But I mean, would you blame Brian Edwards? He's playing for a four and six football team. The guy's gonna go to the league. Um, where he'll be picked, I don't know. And how you know much he'll play next year, I, I don't know. Uh, and but the guy has a legitimate chance to play on. To be a starting receiver or some in some in and out at receiver in some team in the league next year, do you really want to play for your four and six football team against on the road this week against A and M and then against Clemson. Uh, the, the team who just won the national championship and hasn't <laughs> lost in two years or whatever and one of the most physical defenses in the country? Do you really want to put your body through that? And then one thing to think about, know. I've been watching I was Debo Samuel. You watch him play for the 49ers. He had the same wide receiver been coach with McClendon. And it's like, yo, so if, if, if Debo went to the league and been playing it, and I think he had like four or five catches against the oh, Monday night. Against well, he, the he had like 70 yards, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, he had 120 yards. 120 yards. So it's yards. like, okay, I'm built to go play right away in the league because I don't know how people compare Debo and Brian. But it's like, yeah, these are definitely things to consider when you're making the, and you know, you have the child also. Things that you consider whenever you're making a decision on. But I, I, like you said, I get the feel he's a play-hard kind of guy. He's not that kind. Especially now that he's going to be known as one of the better receivers come through this program. His name will probably be, you know, uh, whenever you, like, one of the His name will be on the ramp somewhere, yeah, for the records. He's broken yards and receptions, I believe. Yeah, so he wants to, like, you know, end his career on a uh, high note. Not yeah, really as the, and the guy. Uh, Clowney really showed out in that game as well. Oh, yeah, Clowney, yeah, Clowney killed he it. Had, had a straight game. I don't. Did he have the strip sack, or did he just recover the fumble itself? I don't know if he was the actual reason it got stripped. Anyway, he had a touchdown. Yeah. Um, kind of looked like he made the right decision. Yeah. Before you get out of here, Matthew, I know you got to go. Uh, give me, what do you think is going to, I think Texas A&M is an 11-point favorite. What do you think is going to happen Saturday? I get the feel. I feel like South Carolina, the defensive line, because one thing about Jimbo Fisher with his quarterbacks, he puts a lot of pressure on them. 
so Kellen Mond's quarterback for Texas A&M, he puts a lot of pressure on those guys. You saw Clemson kind of get after him a little bit, and he, I don't even think they scored until maybe the fourth quarter. No, they, they were all. terrible. South Carolina's a really good pass rush here. I was listening to Muschamp. He was saying how um, they're because the defense line's been playing so well, they're committing a lot of double teams. I expect them to get after Kellen Mond, kind of frustrate him a little bit. I got A&M winning by probably around 10 points, but I do expect them to get after him a little bit, and I don't think it'll be like a blowout. I think Carolina hangs on with them, but I just don't think they win in the end. Yeah. I, you, I'm glad you brought the Clemson game up. Like, Looking back at that game, the Clemson A&M game in September, that told us nothing about either team, really. Absolutely nothing. Because Clemson didn't dominate. Like, right now, if Clemson played A&M and Clemson didn't win by 20, I mean, I would have a lot of, like, things negative to say about them. That game happened in September when everyone thought A&M was good. Yeah, exactly. And they won by, I think the game ended up being closer than it really should have been. It was like 28-7 to 7 or something. Yeah. Clemson should put up 40 points on Texas A&M. Especially knowing what we know now. Because yeah. A&M probably going to lose like two more games before the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got to play LSU here in a couple weeks. Um, and then it didn't tell us much about Clemson either because they didn't dominate and they were just playing they were sleepwalking through the first few weeks until they got woken up in Chapel Hill. Um, I got South Carolina losing too. I, I don't <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be close. I think the season is a wrap. Um, I'm usually I, I usually see a lot of the good in, in South Carolina. Um, and, and I usually see say this is a team to never keep them out of it because they always find a way to play light, right at the level of their competition. In this case I think the players are defeated. I think mentally they're they're just out of it. Um, the fans have checked out long, long ago. Yeah. Um, the Georgia game brought them back in for just a quick second. And the Florida game got them pissed off, and then they lost to Tennessee. Um, and then I, like, I think the coaches are just scrambling for something, right? They're at the last minute before the test, and they're trying to come up with some kind of answers, right? And it's their time to go up and talk or give the presentation or whatever. And they got nothing. Yeah, because uh, uh, prove it, like prove it, has already passed. That's that oh, yeah. phase of going prove it at this point. You know, you actually hope two things real quick. You actually hope your players aren't like looking at the clippings. You know, reading and listening to the student body, what they have to say. And by some of the tweets this week, I, th- I think they are probably some so. of the player tweets. Whenever I saw those guys commenting on Tory Gurley's Instagram story during this, like right after North Carolina, I was like, ooh, this focus might not be where it's supposed to be. And then, two, you also hope the coaches aren't going out, not, you know, hitting up their connects. Hey, who might have an opening next season? You know, things of that nature. Because this is a business, and this is how these guys feed their family. So, Yeah, i got to say, if I was Brian McClendon, I'd be picking up. I would have picked up the phone two weeks ago. Yeah, go ahead and call in Georgia State, Georgia Southern. You know, go ahead and get all the phone. Just, uh, you know, what you guys doing for Thanksgiving. You know, just in case. (laughs) Stop by the house. (laughs) I got a paycheck for a little while longer. Yes, that kind of thing. By the time you get, if you do indeed end up getting fired, it's kind of like, oh, so I know we already opened line of communication. Let's go ahead and uh, get this deal done. Yep. All right, Matthew. I know you're out the rest of the show. We're, uh, we're, We're sticking producer Brennan for you. All right, thank you to Matthew for joining us, as he always does. Um, he's got to head out, so we're going to roll through the rest of these games real quick. Uh, real quick. Um, like I said, Texas a and this season is just a wrap for South Carolina. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that one. All right, we'll go to, to Auburn down in the Plains this week. Georgia rolling in, minus two and a half uh, on the road at Auburn. Um, I, I think the thing to look for in this game is 
Jake Fromm, without a doubt. Um, the pass rush, or, or Auburn's rush defense is going to be very good this week. Um, this is going to be the best rush offense they've probably played, maybe better than LSU's, I would say, pure rush offense. Um, LSU is much more balanced and stuff, and they're much better at the passing game. But we'll see how it goes this week. And, and I, I don't, I just don't see – I don't believe I, I believed on Auburn a lot in September. I just don't see them winning at home against Georgia. Uh, yeah, I, did, I mean, Georgia's just. I think they've got too much to worry about this. I, I think all. Excuse me, Auburn's doesn't have enough to, to give Georgia much to worry about this weekend, uh, and. We'll see what we get from Fromm. Are we going to get the Fromm who played South Carolina? I don't think so. He's only had that one game probably in his entire career. Uh, I mean, he threw three picks, and he hasn't thrown a pick all year to that point. Um, and we haven't seen that from Jake Fromm since. We, we watched him in Florida, and he was pretty good. And, I mean, Georgia being in the top four, I, I get. Uh, I was just very disappointing, and I kind of mentioned in passing earlier when we were I was talking with Matthew. Uh, and... Look, Georgia being number four just tells us that my, my argument against Barrett Sally earlier was, you know, he was saying that the the big argument with the conference championship auto, auto, auto bids is, oh, well, the regular season games won't matter. Well, you have Georgia number four right now who lost to South Carolina, who was four and six and likely going to go four and eight, um, who lost to Appalachian State at home, uh, who got smoked against Tennessee. And you, Georgia, lost to them. So you're telling me by the committee, the committee is telling me now that every regular season does not count. They told me that game does not matter by putting them in the college football playoff. They said right now, if we were to pick four, these would be the four and Georgia's it. Well, their loss to South Carolina doesn't matter at all. Uh, so I don't get the argument of continuing to say, well, it, it, it ruins the – regular season schedule if you have conference champions just go in like it doesn't make every game as important it absolutely is makes it just as important as it is right now because you need to win enough games to be on top of your division to go to your conference championship and in a lot of conferences you may lose three games and still find yourself in a conference championship look at the atlantic coast conference with the atlantic or the coastal or whatever conference or whatever division clemson is not in they've got to change that to north south um and you like you're gonna have a six and three or a seven and three team, you know, or six and three in conference team play for the conference championship. And, and do you want a three loss team playing for the conference championship? Probably not. But have they beaten the guys they needed to beat to get there? Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see. I, I just I, Georgia. I don't see Georgia being in the top four at the beginning of the year. I think they they can definitely lose this weekend. I don't think they will. I, I, I think Georgia went on a field goal by Blankenship late. Um, he had a rough game earlier this year. I don't know if he had that rough of a game. He just missed one big kick, and the kid's never done it in his career. And he'll be okay. Uh, he's money. So, I mean, the Bears should trade up to get him. The Bears should be trying to trade up to the number one pick to take Rodrigo Blankenship, no doubt. Yeah, or someone should pick up Elliot. Elliot Fry. Yeah, Elliot's Elliot's been kind of like scooped and tossed around, and now yeah, he's just he's haven't just heard anything from around. him. Uh, when I saw he was on 
at local TV in Charleston down today, or yesterday as you're listening to this. So and I think Elliot's living in Charleston now, so good for him. But, yeah, like, Rod- Rodrigo's usually money, and I-, I think that's how Georgia will win this football game. Um, I watched – I was actually – if you've never seen – because, Brendan, you never saw this until I showed it to you, what, last night? The – I think most SEC fans have seen it by now. It, 2010, 2011, which I can't believe it was that long ago. The miracle on the plains with the Georgia Al- – Auburn throwing a Hail Mary. It gets tipped up by some Georgia defenders. Auburn receiver catches it somehow in full stride, just pops in his hands, and he just takes it to the house to win the football game. That was incredible. Yeah, incredible. that was also – that was the kick six year, too. They, they did both those things in the same year. Oh, was it? Yeah. See, the kick six feels that far, like, that long ago, but that particular play feels like it was two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I don't – and I mean, just an incredible – look that up on YouTube. You can search, what, Georgia-Auburn-Hail-Mary play. Yeah, definitely give that a watch. Um, we'll go back around the SEC real quick. Georgia-Auburn, obviously, 3.30, game of the week on CBS. Uh, Alabama-Mississippi State, noon on ESPN. Bama is – we'll hear from them a little later in the picks of the week. It's 17.5 point favorite. Uh, Georgia at Missouri, uh, noon on CBS. Got a nooner, got a doubleheader on CBS this week. Um, that one probably won't be very close considering – Georgia just smacked Mizzou last week. Mizzou doesn't have much left in the tank. Kentucky-Vanderbilt, probably be a terrible game. Some bad football teams, maybe close, competitive for a while. Uh, Could see if, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Mark Stoops can win a few games here and find himself at one of these bigger schools after the year's over, like a Florida State um, or an Arkansas. So we'll see. And, And then... LSU will miss at 7 o'clock, ESPN. Uh, LSU's probably going to win by 60, I'd say, at least 60. Um, and then, like we said, South Carolina A&M, 730. I don't know if we said the time. It's 730 SEC Network. All right, moving on out of the SEC. Wake Forest going to Clemson this week. Clemson's a 34-point favorite. Uh, the only note I have on this is just who cares. I, I couldn't care less about this game. I'm t- like, we talk about Clemson every week, just playing. No one. It's not their fault. Their conference sucks. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll probably win by 30, 35. I, I I just I just don't care about watching. They're so boring to watch anymore because their level of competition is so bad, which I think does them an injustice because you you don't get to see them play. But like two games a year in the college football playoff. Uh, I mean, it just kind of sucks. I'd like to see them play someone good so we could see some good football, but it's not happening. Um, We'll go from there. Indiana, Purdue, Penn State, a lot of lot of big games on the board in the big big ten left this year. Indiana at number nine. Penn State. Penn State is a fourteen and a half point favorite. Indiana though, when you think of Indiana, you think crappy football and good basketball. Uh, I think both like Indiana basketball has been good for a little while, right? They've been kind of uh, up and down, right? They they had a pretty good recruit come out. Um, last year, okay, last year. But I think like when Tom Crean was there, they were they were much better than they were now. Yeah, and then he got fired. Yeah, yeah. So, so now that he's was tough. The, the dogs team. Yep. Uh, he's got a pretty big recruit there too, right? I think he just yeah, pulled in two very two pretty big recruits yeah, out of the Georgia. Number one recruit or number two, I think, is on is on Georgia. Um, there you go. It'll be interesting to see how they do, um, especially with all the SEC. Upsets lately. Yeah, yeah. What two this week? LSU and so, Kentucky yeah, LSU go down. What was LSU ranked? Do you Florida. know? 
Uh, I think LSU was 23rd. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, but anyway, Indiana Penn, at Penn State. Uh, Indiana not ranked in the college football playoff poll, but 24 in the AP and 25 in the coaches poll. 7-2 football team. There are two losses, though. 51-10 to Ohio State just got smacked. And 40-31, to hang on pretty well uh, at Michigan State. Um, the Ohio State loss was at home for Indiana, which is to be expected. If you're Ohio State... You don't matter how Penn, in no matter how good Indiana is, you have to beat Indiana by forty. Uh, so I would, I mean, if you're gonna bet this game, I would buy a half point uh, and and bet Penn State minus fourteen, maybe buy a full point minus minus thirteen and a half, and, and take Penn State. I don't think Indiana's gonna hang on. Uh, Penn State's coming off of a huge loss on the road; they're back home. Uh, it's you know another noon game for them on noon on ABC, but I think Penn State's going to win pretty big Saturday over Indiana. Uh, it, I haven't really watched Indiana football. I, I do somehow always end up finding myself watching a three and seven Indiana game at the towards the November and Indiana. I guess Indiana's been good, so I, they haven't been on the TV as much because they haven't played good competition, which is why they're good. Um, but we'll we'll. This will be. It could be a decent game. I, I don't. I don't foresee it being a great game, but it, it could be a decent game. Uh, speaking of Penn State and Minnesota, though, we move to number eight, Minnesota. They are at Iowa this week. Number twenty, Iowa on the road. Um, Iowa is a six and three football team. They're a three point favorite. Uh, Iowa. Iowa has two. Like their season, they have played the most close games. Uh, just a ridiculous amount, right? Uh, they've they've had a few one or two point games. They lost at Wisconsin by two points, twenty two twenty four. They lost ten to three at Michigan in the rain, which was like a crappy. I believe it was pretty sure it was raining. Just a crappy game. They couldn't do anything. They should have won that game a hundred times. Their defense played amazing. Only gave up ten points, but couldn't score with three. And they have a home loss, seventeen to twelve against Penn State. So I can guarantee you this score will be weird and it will be close. Um, I'm pulling for Minnesota. I, I'm, I want to see them keep winning. Uh, I, I think they're a fun team to watch. There's no arguing that P.J. Fleck is a fun coach to watch. So I hope they they do find a way to win at Iowa. But Iowa, the last two years, right, or last three years, they've got two huge upsets in November at home. Uh, they beat Michigan a few years back when Michigan was number three. And they beat Ohio State two years ago, I think. Um, yeah, they... I was just known for knocking off, just ruining people's college football playoff hopes or bowl season hopes or whatever. Uh, it will be a good game. So we'll see how that one goes. I don't think I have the time. I didn't write the time that one. I just find it. You're on the internet to find a podcast. You can find the game time. Number 13, Baylor at number 10, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma minus 10.5 this week. If Baylor wins this weekend and beats Oklahoma again, it should be no doubt they should be ranked higher than Clemson. And I think the committee has done a decent job, and the AP poll did a decent job of punishing Clemson for not playing any good opponents this year uh, by ranking them lower. And the lowest of the unbeaten teams outside of Baylor and Minnesota, who are, you know, are what they are, they've, they've played average. But, I mean, Minnesota has a better uh, win than they do. I think Minnesota also struggled a little bit with different teams too. Um, Baylor is, if they beat Oklahoma twice, I don't see how you could say there's any way that they would be 
less deserving or less as not as good as Clemson has proved themselves to be. Um, it, I mean, I Baylor wins this week. They should be in the top four probably. I, I, I don't see how you could say they shouldn't be, especially when you've got Georgia sitting there who, who lost to South Carolina and struggled with Kentucky. And I, I mean, I've talked about Georgia enough now. They just – I was just – very not impressed with that selection. I would have been fine with Alabama. They're Alabama, and they lost by five points to the number one team. Um, they've steamrolled everyone else. Did you uh, did you see that video of the Alabama locker room? Like their reaction when when they posted the fourth team? No, I gotta. So tell me what happened because I, I got yeah, an update about it earlier, but I didn't watch it. I guess practice just ended or whatever, and they have a huge TV like in the middle of the locker room, yeah. and they all were just like freaking out that it was Georgia and not them. I mean, they should be. So yeah, no, definitely. It was just cool to like see the players react to like the same way we kind of do, you know? Yeah. Well, and you like, also know this is why Alabama's making appearance in the picks of the week this week. You, they're just I don't like I've never the most lock of all time. Oh yeah, minus seventeen and a half. Like yeah. after that. You know the players are pissed off. And also, Alabama's beating everyone else by 30, and Mississippi yeah. State sucks. You know Saban's pissed off as well. Yeah, they don't, like, they don't, they never lose. And then when they do lose, they come back and beat the next team by 80. Yep. Um, but yeah, well, Baylor, Oklahoma, I, I don't see how Baylor can win this football game. Baylor does have the best defense in the Big 12. Oklahoma has the worst defense in the Big 12, so maybe they win with defense. But they're going to have to score a little. As you're playing Jalen Hurts, you're on the road in Norman too. Uh, maybe Oklahoma can get through a game without flipping their boomer sooner wagon over, whatever that thing is. Um, and I, I just, I mean, it, Baylor's going to be it's probably one of the most interesting teams right now in, in the country as far as how things are going to shape out. Them in Minnesota, uh, I, I think they control a lot. What if we get an undefeated from every conference or an undefeated from the the Big Ten, ACC, Pac, or Big Twelve, and and SEC, are all of those teams going to go in? Are you going to? Is the committee going to have the? I guess the balls to put Baylor in, no matter if I mean if they go undefeated, how could you not? But I, I don't. You're leaving the Pac-12 out, which they just, their best team lost to the third best team in the SEC West right now, uh, and who maybe you know fifth or sixth best in the ACC or SEC we'll see this week if they beat Georgia to the third best team but I, I don't I mean that's tough uh, to Notre Dame Navy number I I was this is the last game I wrote on the docket for this week number 23 Navy at Notre Dame at number 16 Notre Dame Notre Dame is a seven and a half point favorite Navy's gonna be they've thrown the ball more recently but they usually run the triple option uh, this game Typically, Navy games are, are close because of the triple option when they play teams like this. Um, but it will be slightly boring. Um, and, I mean, we'll get what we get at this. I imagine this game is on NBC. And I'll let this take me into the picks of the week because uh, I want to wrap up here. But Notre Dame took – I took Notre Dame at home, minus 7.5 over Navy this week. I think they will, will get eight points. If you feel nervous about betting against Navy, I still love the troops – buy them down to seven points and if they only win by seven you push um i think it'll be fine i think notre dame will win by by 10 they didn't let me down last week um and, and i mean this will be one of their better one maybe their best win all year beating a, a ranked team uh 
and, and not maybe they lose. That would be great. I hate them. Uh, Michigan State plus 13.5 at Michigan. I think that game will be close. I think Michigan sucks. They had one good win. Um, and it, I don't even know if it's a good win. They just beat a crappy team in Notre Dame at home in the rain. And they, I mean, it was a good win in the fact that they just beat them so bad. They scored 40 points. Uh, Michigan scored 40 points, which is, it, it, I wouldn't have expected. I think Michigan State, I think it's going to be 10 points for Michigan. I, I think you're looking more in the 10 point range. Uh, don't love the team, love the number. Noon on Fox Saturday. Like we just said, Bama minus 17.5 at Mississippi State. Bama will likely cover 35 points. Um, noon on ESPN. A lot of noon games. Get your noon bets in. I, I imagine the Notre, Notre Dame games are usually at 2.30 on NBC. Uh, I didn't look it up. But, you know, a lot of early bets this week. So I'm giving you plenty of time. If something goes, you know, a little wrong, you can sprinkle your money back on the night games and make it all up. Uh, do that at your own discretion. And then we'll go from Bama to my friend in Les Miles and a team that I've picked three or four times this year. Plus 17 at Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State is going to beat them by 16. And it'll be close. It's that I think that'll be the closest pick on this board um, this week. Kansas, Les Miles, plus 17. Last one. If Clemson's going to play boring competition and beat them by 60 or whatever... Uh, they've scored 60 points, I think, the last three weeks. I'm going to start betting on them and make some money. Clemson and Wake over at 59.5. Wake Forest will score some points. It might only be seven, but Clemson will score 59 by themselves, easy. maybe by the end of the of the second quarter. Um, I mean, I think they scored 35 against NC State on the road last week at the first half. They were up 28 nothing in the first quarter. So Dabo has proven that he is going to keep slinging the ball no matter what, no matter how – much they're up because I know I know that he knows that their conference schedule is not good enough and that they aren't playing good teams so you have to just beat the crap out of them um, which I mean it's probably a safer bet to try to play crappy teams and just win by 60 every week than play decent teams like an LSU model uh, it's definitely a lot harder for a team like LSU so We'll see. I think this is easy over 59.5. No, not even going to sweat it. I think that game's at 4 or something, 4.30. Um, we'd like to say a special thank you to Ben Sound for our intro and outro music, which is the same. So I guess it's just our, our music for the show. Uh, thank you to them. We would like to tell you, to remind you, go subscribe on iTunes. Go rate and review. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Follow us on Twitter, at the lead underscore block. Instagram, the same. Uh, go follow Matthew, my co-host, at Matt the Chosen One with the number one on Twitter and Instagram. Follow myself, at Tyler Walter CNR, uh, on Twitter. Find us, follow us, tag us in your tweets, um, comment at us, send us DMs, give us questions, give us topics, tell us anything you want to talk about in the college football world or sports in general. I know we just did college football today, and we usually do mostly college football. There's some interesting things happening in the baseball world right now, um, which I, I don't – did you – you've seen all of this? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anything's going to really happen. I don't no. I don't really care. I don't – I really don't care either. I, I got into – with with um, a buddy of mine today, Yankees fan. Hopefully we can have him on soon. Yeah, shout out Sean. Um, but, you know, I, we were talking about it earlier, and he was just – 
you know, saying how big of a deal it was. Uh, and my my only thought was, I don't like, I just don't care, dude. Baseball reporters are going to run with this like crazy, make it the biggest story of all time because it's November and they have nothing to do. And I would too. If I'm a baseball reporter right now, I would be doing the same exact thing. You stir the pot until you can't stir it anymore. Um, but I just don't care. I mean, I think the the Astros are going to get some punishment for so they were using a camera to steal signs and then relaying off-speed messages of uh, off-speed pitches coming to their batters in the batter's box by banging on trash cans in the dugout or something. I mean, I thought it was pretty creative and kind of funny. Stealing signs is a part of baseball, right? You have a guy on second. He's peeking in every play to try to see the, the catcher's signs. That's why every time after a guy goes to second base, the catcher will change up his signs. You, that's a lot of times you see mound visits is right when a guy's on second base in a big ending. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, frank, I, frankly, I don't care. Yeah, punish the Astros, but in five months when the season starts, it's not going to matter. No one's going to care. No one's going to remember. You're not going to take the Astros 2017 World Series away because they were clearly the best team, and they didn't need to They didn't need to steal signs to, to do that. They didn't need to have this weird, you know, uh, relay of signs going to the batter for telling them that the off-speed pitches were coming to win. Um, they were going to win anyway. And, I, I mean, I just don't care. I don't, I don't think baseball fans care. I don't think a lot of baseball fans know because the story is happening on Twitter, and most baseball fans are too old to know what Twitter is. So it, what are we going to get? Like a fine? Like no one's going to care. Um, no one's going to get fired, and, and nothing's going to happen. And if I'm wrong, I'll be very surprised, And but I still won't care. Uh, but go anyway, go subscribe. Follow us on the Twitter, the Instagram, everything. Uh, tell all your friends. Matthew will be back with me Sunday, we'll, or Monday, and we'll have a show for you then. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org.